Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with John Paul Hunt and Jennifer McPherson. John Paul has been with us almost since the very beginning. So he's one of the coaches here at Rockstar. Jennifer McPherson is one of the coaches here at Rockstar as well. So on this episode, we get to know them a little bit better. We talk about firefighting. We talk about his time in the region of Peel. We talk about why Jennifer loves horses so much and what she's done in the whole horse world. That's a fascinating world. Nick's daughter is in that world now. So I'm learning about this whole thing. I had no idea how big this wonderful world of horses really is. So we get into all of that on this episode. And of course, we talk about some real estate. So that's who you're you're listening to on this episode, JP Hunt and Jennifer McPherson. And if you are listening to this and you want to dive into the world of real estate investing, you can check out some information from us, videos, podcasts like this, reports, free copies of our books, all at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's rockstarinnercircle.com. And one of the most popular things that we share is our weekly email. I'm always surprised at the feedback we get on this weekly email. You can register for that weekly email right off of our homepage at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's an email that goes out to tens of thousands of people in this area. And we're always trying to share the best information that we've put out through the week and some current unique information for that email specifically. You can get onto that list by visiting rockstar innercircle.com. That's it for the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with John Paul Hunt. Wait, do you have a middle name? I do. It's Ronald. Come on. It is. <laughs> no, it's not. 100%. Ronald? My father's name. Wow. Wow. That's the only person that's, that's ever used in my life is my mother, I think. That's very traditional. Your father's um, your father's name. I like that. Yeah. When yeah. I first heard it, I didn't like it. I'm not going to lie. But now that okay. I know it's your father, I <laughs> you, really You kind of have to now. John yeah. Paul Hunt. And John yeah. is J-O-N, yeah. not J-O-H-N. Right. My mom couldn't decide between John and Paul, but liked, that's why she put them together. But John, they're not, and they're not Catholic from the Pope or anything like that. They're religious, but not Catholic. So yeah. But you can, is it common to spell John J-O-N? No. no. Oh, okay. hundred percent not. So you're no. unique. hundred. Yes. I tell that to Jennifer all the time. Oh my God. Jen, Tom, Jen, when Jen. I first had our first <laughs> Christmas with his family, his aunt says, Jennifer, did you and John come together? He called I, JP John? Yeah, and oh. so I didn't know who they were talking about. Oh, and I yeah, I wouldn't her, either. And I was no. like, well, I came here with JP. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, does yeah. your family call you John? My Some of my aunts do. My mother's John Paul. Everyone else is JP. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Um, John Paul Ronald Hunt and uh, Jennifer McPherson. Jennifer, do you have a middle name? Lynn. Oh, that's really Ryan. nice. No, it's like simple and nice. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Lynn McPherson. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is that your mom's name? <laughs> no. Your grandmother's name? <laughs> no. I don't know whose it is. Oh, they liked Lynn. Yeah. Okay. I was named after somebody in a soap opera, apparently. I don't know. Oh, really? Jennifer McPherson. Jennifer. Hmm. Soap operas. Do you remember the age of soap operas? Uh, Jennifer watches them every single day. Uh, oh, they're still on? Yeah. Soap operas are still on? Young and the Restless. General Hospital? Yes, also that. No. Young and the Restless, every day, 4.30 to 5.30 on Global. No. <laughs> this yeah. is still a thing? 
It records. Come on. Our whole DVR is. Or you wait, you have a DVR? Or PVR, whatever it is. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, record it all. Oh. Well, whatever the bell thing is. Oh, okay. Record, that okay. Thing, I thought you called. meant you had a physical device sitting there, like, oh, or no, no. on like a DVD or something. No, no. Like we just got rid of our TiVo. Wow. How about TiVo. that? That's how old we were. I think Kojiko still uses TiVo. That's where we were with. But okay. now we're with. Bell. Bell. Yeah, I do like the Bell app because I yes. can watch the Leaf games on mobile. Yes, that's 100%. Yeah, I do really enjoy that. Yes, yeah. it's very nice. Wow, soap operas. Oh, Young and the Restless. It's my guilty pleasure. Really? Mm-hmm. Young and the... It's a 30-minute episode? Uh, one hour. Oh, and, and, and nothing happens for the whole hour, right? It's just like leading up to that end bit that hooks you for the next time, right? Yeah. Isn't that the whole the thing with soap operas? Like nothing happens for an hour except for at the last minute something interesting happens that doesn't complete until the beginning of the next episode? And you cannot watch it for a week and still know what's going on, but I, have, I watch it religiously. Wow. Yeah. I remember in high school coming home, doing homework, just flipping on the TV. There's no sports and it would be Price is Right. Or some soap operas. And I think I remember having it on in the background like long enough that I kind of like even knew the plot of General <laughs> Hospital a little bit. I was like, oh yeah, that guy has amnesia and you know, he died, but his twin brother came back to life or whatever like yeah. these crazy yeah. storylines yeah. are. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, anyway, so we, let's get on to much more serious. <laughs> serious. But, so for those of you listening who don't know John Paul Ronald Hunt, uh, JP uh, worked with Nick Alexander Kradza, my younger brother, at the region of Peel. Yes, and went to school together before oh, yeah, that. You guys went to school together. Shared and, in college. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then that's how you guys met. Yes. And I remember we were in somewhat desperate need of help. And uh, you need, you know we were desperate if we reached out to you, JP. 100%. Yeah, like oh, yeah. We were like, we were reaching. Especially, we were reaching. Hey, Nick. Yeah, do especially you have- Nick to ask me for... Uh, Nick, I've run out of all my favorite connections. Yes. Do you have anyone? Yeah. And he's like, I don't have anyone except there's this guy, yeah. JP. And I'm, of course, uh, joking. For the for anyone listening who doesn't know <laughs> JP, he's like uh, the best guy ever who, uh, yeah, who takes care of people in uh, a really you know, in the way we would uh, take care of people. And uh, that's why it's been such a good fit for so many years. So like sure. JP came on, started working with investors, and then you two found each other. God knows how. Plenty of fish. Plenty of fish. What's that? It's like an like an old person's Tinder. Oh, really? Like it's an online thing, but come on, a long really? time ago. That's how you guys found each other. I know it's ridiculous. It was called Plenty of Fish. That so was it's the a app website or app or what? I think it was an app. I don't app? think we had apps back. Then. Oh, okay. So you went on the website. It yeah. was a website anyway. Yeah. Wow. No yeah, way. That's how we. First oh my god! Moved. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So you, then you guys get together, and then Jennifer, you were doing. You were in the real estate. Um, game, you were doing real estate stuff, correct? I had just gotten my license when I met JP. Okay. Was, yeah, I was with another brokerage. Office. And then he, did he explain to you he was with Rockstar Real Estate? And you were like, yes. wow, I'm blown away by <laughs> and with amazement at the sure. name of that place. Yeah, sure. there was that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so then um, I, I'm just kind of curious, like, how did you get started into real estate and is there a connection here to i think you mentioned to me jp or jennifer like horses in real estate is there is what's um, this connection with horses or horses have just been in your life for years yes i've always ridden since i was eight and then after university i went to york university got my ba and then uh I what did you get your ba in english oh very nice <laughs> yeah no that's a lot of reading um i couldn't tell you what i read now but um yeah, and then I took off to the States to go ride racehorses. I was an exercise rider and assistant trainer, and I lived there, Florida, New Orleans, Delaware, um, and Texas, most of the time in Texas, for 10 years. 
Wow. So what does that mean? You rode racehorses like you? I was an exercise rider in the morning. So I worked them out in the morning. So these, some people who buy these horses, they have like, I guess the jockey who's going to race them, but these horses need to be trained every day. Yes. So you would come on and you'd race these things. Yeah. So the jockey usually only comes to say, do works like timed works that you'll see in a program. Okay. Or obviously the race day. Are the jockeys pure divas? Some. Oh, I think. <laughs> um, okay. So you race these things. It's just because they're hungry. <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, I know. I know. I can believe it. Um, so you race these things. How did you get into that? You got into that because you were a kid. You were always, you were, you, you were doing those things that Nick's daughter does where you, yeah. you jump the horses. Yeah. Yeah. I was riding jumping horses. I was working for uh, a show jumping stable. Um, and I knew the daughter-in-law of a big trainer at Woodbine. And he said, uh, you know, if you go ride in Florida as an exercise rider, you won't have to do stalls because I used to have to do the stalls and then ride the horses and all of that. And I was like, oh, I'm in. Count me in. Uh, it was hard. It's hard work. But, so you just uh, apply for this? I had to go learn how to ride a different style because it's completely different than riding jumping horses. I feel like it would be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, and they went to a farm in Ocala, Florida and rode babies, broke babies. Like what does that mean? Breaking baby horses. So they literally at this farm, they plucked them out of a field, put them in a stall. They had a saddle on them one day and then we got them and it was like, good luck. <laughs> so you really have to ride the horse so it's comfortable with a human on its back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And teach them how to be racehorses because they don't always, they don't just know. Yeah. And then after I rode babies and I graduated to riding like real racehorses on the racetrack, which was tough too. What's tough about it? Um, it's tough on your body. It's tough. Um, you have to be good at it, especially as a woman. You had to be good at it because mm -hmm. there's a lot of, it's a man's how do, you, how do you teach a horse to run? I don't get it. You have to teach them to beat the horse beside them. So you have to teach them how to want to be faster than the horse beside and, them. And how do you do that? This is just like, I just see that little thing. You just whip their butt. Yeah, but you can only in a race, a jockey can only use the whip so many times. There's oh. a lot that goes into it. Oh, yeah. really? Yep. But okay. my whole life was wrapped up in horses for a long time uh, from in my 20s. And um, then when I was in Texas, like, I mean, my whole life, like relationships, everything. And uh, then I guess uh, relationship broke up and I had to come back to Canada just because I, you know, I couldn't be there anymore mentally. Uh, and, you know, back oh, I then, thought you were going to say I couldn't be there anymore legally. Yeah, I think also that. <laughs> There's another story with that. I think also that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was there for a while. Well, we got our Nexus card, so it's okay. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. so you're in the clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. enough time has passed that they gave me my Nexus okay. card now. But um, Jennifer was hiding out in the stalls somewhere in the U.S. for a few years. Like, listen, you're not going to kick me out of here. You can't find me. <laughs> Literally, the guys, when... Um, the immigration people would come onto the racetrack because they would come looking for Mexicans in Texas. No. And a lot of the riders would stay on the track and be there for like two hours, like just on one horse, just, you know, to try to and knock did that back strategy to the work? For some people. I was going to say, I figured yeah. the immigration officer would kind of catch on yeah. to that strategy. <laughs> but then they used to make fun of me. They'd be like, you and your little dog are going to be in a bus back to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. And then was it true when you were racing these things, you didn't have to shovel shit? I, it was true. Oh, wow. It was true because they, they have grooms. Um, so the groom will do the stall and get the horse ready for you. And you come in and you get on the horse and you go out and you gallop, you know, a mile, a mile and a half. And then you bring the horse back. Aren't these but, horses worth a lot of money? Like I feel there's a yeah. lot of pressure. Like you, if you screw up or you injure yes. the horse, you're going to get get in big shit. No? Yes. If you fall off a million dollar racehorse and it runs and Over hurts you itself. Over you and twist its ankle? 
Yeah, or hurts itself. Yeah, um, you probably might lose your job. Yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and it is how often would somebody fall off a racehorse? Um, when I started, I fell off a couple times. I lacerated my liver. Uh, that was about the worst I got hurt. Because the horse stepped right on you? No, I came off the front of it. The oh. Yeah, it was sort of a freak accident. But okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, I didn't fall off all that much. Yeah, sheer terror will make you stay on top of... And, and are you still involved with horses? Yes, I ride jumping horses now. Huh. <laughs> and this is like a pleasure thing. Now it's a pleasure thing. Do you now, go to like different competitions around yeah, here too? Yeah, I okay. go to competitions in Caledon and Erin. And okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the idea with, I, I know so little about this whole space. So the idea with these horses that you, you jump them and it's how pretty you jump, you get a reward or you get a, a like a, a, an award for some, for <laughs> some disciplines. No, it's not, you're good. You're more than most people. You're more than most people. We'll have to get you out to a horse show for hunters. They call that hunters. You have to have everything perfect. Um, and then you get, there's a judge and they will judge you, but that's not what I do. I do jumpers now, which is sort of um, it's called show jumping like what you see in the Olympics uh, if you leave a rail up I could be falling off the side but if my horse jumps 12 jumps 16 jumps and leaves every single rail up and goes within the time allowed and I'm faster than everybody else then I'm gonna I'm mm. gonna win so the whole thing is just the speed of getting over all these jumps <laughs> yeah but with you, the horse yes but you still have to know how to ride or you're not going to be able to do it properly so, okay yeah. because if you don't know how to ride the horse is going to like balk at jumping because it's scared so yeah you have to you have to give comfort to the horse yeah yeah some of them some okay. of them yeah 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 huh. and then what do you lease these horse? do you buy these horses um you the one I have them? now is leased okay. yeah you can lease them uh and you can part board, you can buy them. Okay. Depends on what you want to do. Okay, got mm -hmm. it. So mm -hmm. like one of our mentors, Dan Kennedy, had, I think he owned, I feel like six or eight or 10 horses. And he just used to always complain that they just ate money because well, yeah. he would have to feed them all. And then he would do the, what, what is it when they're behind the horse? He has standard breads. Yeah. Okay. And then he was behind the court, in a, behind the horse. In a cart. In a cart yep. in Ohio, because it was one of the few tracks that had 12 month a year mm -hmm. cart. Uh, what, it's a little cart, like two yeah. wheels. And, you know, he said it was Trotters. very dangerous. Mm -hmm. It um, is. That scares me. Somebody has asked me if I want to do that. And that's terrifying to me. That looks terrifying. And I think no he's fallen off and got injured a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've read his books. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's cool. Yeah, no, for an old grumpy guy, he's pretty cool. He's grumpy. We've learned a lot from he's him. He's grumpy. Um, so, okay, so this is something that's going to be with you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. It's huh. it's JP knew it when yeah. we first met. Oh, yeah. Wow. There's a hierarchy in our house. <laughs> and horses are at the top. <laughs> yeah. The dog. <laughs> the dog's number one. The horse probably yeah. two. What kind of dog do you guys have? Jennifer's three. Yeah. You're, you're at the bottom. <laughs> I'm definitely at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. You live in the garage, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. So then, so Jennifer, when how, did, were you interested in real estate investing before you met JP, or was this like a whole new thing to you, or you'd already explored this area? How does so, this come together? Because you guys are now working together mm -hmm. with investors. Mm -hmm. How did the, how did that come together? So in a nutshell, um, like I was saying, when uh, I had to quit riding in the states and move back to Canada, mm -hmm. my kind of my whole life fell like kind of crumbled, oh, and um, I nobody gave, can I say a bad word on the, yeah. nobody gave a shit mm -hmm. if I rode million dollar racehorses. Mm -hmm. um, I would go to, uh, because I had an education, I worked in offices, mm -hmm. I actually also have a law clerk degree. Oh, And so I would go to apply for jobs and I would go to job interviews and they would say, do you know how to use a computer? 
Yeah, and I'm like, I'm a rider. Horse is not living under a rock. Yeah. Um, and so everything I had done previously was sort of gone. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I kind of started to feel really bad about myself. Oh, shit. And um, and I worked at, I remember I worked at a Fabutan. And the woman talked down to me so badly. Um, like the owner of the, mm-hmm. the one franchise? Yeah, family. yeah. Talked back down to me so badly. I ended up quitting on the spot. I don't think I've ever okay. walked out on a job. And I walked out on that one. Do you still uh, have tanning salons? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Fabutan, funny. Um, so you got out of that job. Then I worked in a restaurant. Okay. And I worked in a restaurant, still probably not good for somebody who's not high on the confidence level, but I was good at it. Why, um, why is that? Well, no matter what you do, the customer's always right, right? Oh, okay. You know, so but, you have to deal with people who are complaining. Yeah, but okay. it prepared me for where I was going. So I took uh, a course at Conestoga College in design and... It wasn't for me. It was too, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. Okay. And the next step for me was real estate. And I got my real estate license. I tried once, once wasn't the right time. Then I, after probably years of partying too much, then I decided I had to get my life together. And I got my license again. And it was just when I got my license again and was deciding to get my life together that I met JP. Um, So I wasn't really interested in investing per se, but I was interested in real estate. Got it. Um, and, uh, and JP always seems to me because you guys are together, it's probably different, but to me, he always seems like such a stabilizing force, like a rock. He, he is my rock. And, uh, yeah, he seems, uh, she's going to cry. Yeah. No, no, no. Dude, you're, you're, you're a great dude. So you guys cross paths at a good time for you, Jennifer. He made me want to be the person that I knew I could be. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Dude. I know. Can't even make that up. Now JP's crying. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Okay, so you were doing this world, and then JP. So Jennifer's doing this. You were working as a rock star. You were working. We were all working together as rock star coaches all here. Yeah. Yep. Then you went into firefighting because that was that was like a big dream of yours, right? That was a little kid dream. That was a little kindergarten, literally the, from kindergarten mm-hmm. dream. I used to get in trouble running to the window to watch the fire trucks go because the fire station was across the street. Yeah, got it. And then. Uh, because we were trying to convince you to stay on as like, I know you work with members, but it's now kind of you're picking and choosing what you do um, together. I think Jennifer um, and you guys still work with Rockstar members. Yes. Um, but at one point we were trying to get him, Jennifer, I think you know this, to not go into fire because uh, you were just so naturally good at working with Rockstar members, dude, that we just wanted to keep you selfishly and uh, we couldn't convince you and then we didn't want to ruin your dreams. So uh, <laughs> we're like, yeah, dude. I was very lucky to do two things I love, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Not many people have that. So I was very lucky to be able to continue on. And and the the firefighting, do you think that's something you're going to continue with? Because I mean, the, like there's risk at being a firefighter and and I'm, I'm, I just mean there's, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. I mean, this is something that you're going to do for a long time still. Yeah. I still, still very every day go to work, feel very lucky from the fire side of things. Yes. That I get to go Mm. in there and do that. Tom, did you know uh, he's a captain now? No, I didn't know. Did you tell us? I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? It just means they get to sit in the front seat and they're going to tell people where, no, where really? to drive me. You get the front seat, dude? That's it, all the time. Do you drive the fire truck? Not anymore. Now someone drives me. That's the beauty of being captain. Well, before you used to drive the fire truck? Yeah. I feel like if I saw you driving the fire truck and you weren't going to an emergency and I saw it was you, I'd try to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> As long as you weren't going to an emergency, like, you know, just going back to the station after everything's handled. If I saw you, I don't know. I would feel like, when do you get to cut off a fire truck? And I'd like to try to cut you off. I know that's the wrong thing to do. I used to get in trouble for driving the fire truck too slow. Not to emergencies, but like out 
Like if we're just driving up and down the road, why how slow? I would take the fire truck. Well, I would literally go like the speed limit, like because I'm like, what rush do we have? He doesn't just drive the fire truck slow. He drives his car slow too. Well, that no, dude, like you're driving a fire truck. I think driving the speed limit is probably the right thing to do. I understand. That's what I other fire people. Can we say firemen? I don't know what to say anymore. Firefighters. Firefighters. Sorry, the, the firefighters. That's the other yes. firefighters, uh, they were complaining that you're just going too slow down the street. Sometimes my, yeah, like one of my cap, my, the captain that I would have, they'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, it's 50 kilometers. Like we're going 50. I, I could see how it could get frustrating when you're driving to an emergency though, and people aren't getting out of your way. Oh so yeah. You're just blasting that horn and you just get people who you don't. Can't because you can't. Well, there's a balance. Everyone's got their own thing, but you can't just blast the horn because people just freak out. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Even it's a pretty loud horn. Like, it is. And everyone's supposed to turn to the right or go to the right, but half people go right, half people go left. Some people just stop. They don't know what to do. Have you ever been in a situation that really was super dangerous or have you been fortunate enough to be kind of stable and haven't been put into a super uh, dangerous situation? No, a couple times for sure. Like That could have turned out pretty dangerous, but you just kind of, you kind of have to stay calm and just it's more a lot of common sense that's really what it is like sometimes you can't you can't uh what's the word you you don't have a choice sometimes you have to go into a dangerous spot Mm -hmm. but a lot of common sense goes a long way with okay we're gonna do this a lot and a lot of training too so like if we're going upstairs into a house for instance that's on fire and you can't see anything well you can pretty much figure out okay i'm in the stairwell i'm gonna go here you hit a you know if the room's got a small window it's probably a bathroom or a walk-in closet if it's a bigger house, like that kind of stuff. You can sort of figure things out. And But we work as a team, mm-hmm. big teamwork. And, and why is it that f- the, the firefighters are usually the first at any sort of emergency call? Like I find, I, I feel like firefighters are there before police. Depends it, where you are. I mean, in, I'm in uh, Burlington. The police are there because they're in their cars already. So the police are there usually pretty Oh, they quickly. are. But, okay. uh, but firefighters, like because there's so many fire stations in a city. So they're all spread out because you have to have in a, mm, in a, in a city like station, a, a bigger police station, more centralized, <clears throat> further to go. Right. Okay. Because the idea with firefighters is that if you call 911, you'll have four firefighters on your front lawn in four minutes. That's like a standard, oh, is an it? international kind of standard thing that the cities around here will basically okay. follow. Yeah. And within like, you know, then it's like there's so it goes on from there. It's like at 12 minutes, you'll have 20 people on your front lawn. Like that's how they kind of space out the fire stations and and then do you feel like firefighters uh you probably can't answer this or or, or do you think they're getting enough funding right now like do you guys have all the equipment that you need and oh yeah yeah we're good i mean as i said in the in the cities where i mean there's always budgetary stuff with any city but no we're pretty lucky and being in the greater toronto area i think most firefighters or most fire departments are uh pretty well taken care of here two days before carol and i got married we had relatives from like all over the world come to my house and uh a slightly older gentleman had way too much to drinks coming up the basement stairs we had like a my parents house finished basement walk out to a kind of pool area i think my dad was down there with his friends they're all playing cards late drinking they hadn't seen each other in years these are like childhood friends that all come together for this wedding and i'm the oldest son it's like a big deal and he gets i guess out two-thirds up the stairs falls back smashes his head blood's coming out of both ears yeah and somebody's screaming from the basement carol and i had fallen asleep i think watching a movie like in, in the family room and i jump up 
And I, I go to the top of the stairs, I see what's going on. I start screaming at Carol. Carol calls 911. I feel like the firefighters were there immediately and they started banging on the side door to the house. Cause I guess Carol had maybe said it's in the basement or something. Mm. So they, they went to yeah. the side door so strongly and loudly. I was convinced the door was going <laughs> to knock itself down. I was like, holy shit, these guys mean, mean business. But they were there instantaneously. And I really think the guy ended up being okay. But you know, when you see blood coming out of two ears, when someone smashed their head, it's never, yeah, that's pretty, a lot. No, no, never that's a pretty definitely sign. A, warning sign um yeah. and yeah and part of just my some of my dad's friends and stuff they're just like old school drinking playing cards <laughs> like these guys shouldn't you know at that age they're already i don't know what i guess it's 20 so they're at this point they're in their 60s like who knows what they're doing but thankfully the guy was okay yeah and i remember uh police ended up showing up after and all the neighbors came outside to see what's going on right because it's pure chaos and i remember there was a group of like 15 neighbors in front of our house looking inside the house trying to figure out what was going on carol was sitting on the front steps and I think she was kind of just in shock at what had just happened because we didn't know what was going to happen to this guy. And thankfully, he was completely okay, like, you know, full recovery, yeah. fine. And I just turned to her and said, hey, welcome to the family. And uh, two, yeah, two days later, because I mean, we always has crazy stuff when right. our father was involved. There's just always been. I remember that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there. It's still there. Oh, yeah. But uh, but I just remember always being so thankful that the firefighters just seemed to show up like instantly. I didn't know there was a four minute kind of rule or, or window. Yeah, it's like a standard. It's like. 75% of the time, four minutes, you're going to have four firefighters, your front line. Yeah, got it. That kind of thing. Um, I want to ask Jennifer some of the stuff that you're up to, but before okay. that, with investors that you guys are working with now, so Rockstar investors, other investors, who are you, are uh, you're working with, where, um, are you, are you looking in specific, are there specific areas of Ontario that are attractive to you? Do you map what you're doing with investors to what they're looking for? How are you approaching working with investors right now? And I don't know who wants to mm -hmm. take the lead on that. You can start. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're sitting down with them and base, especially now, like, so we've offered up, you know, meeting with people, new year, a lot of people like to sort of goal setting and things like that. And I remember since joining, it's actually you and you and uh, Nicola at times talking about writing down goals and how, when I first started, I was like, I didn't, I was like, what does it matter if I just think about a goal or write it down or what, like that kind of stuff. I now know how important it is to write down goals. So I make people in our meetings, I'm like, you need to write down Whatever it is, it can be something so something simple of like, you know, getting mortgage pre-approval. Write it down. That's one goal for the end of the month or whatever it is, and then also long-term goals, which is usually you know want to quit their job or whatever. But yeah, we are we don't pigeonhole people into certain cities or anything like that. It's mainly it all starts with what their goals are, what they want to fulfill from the real estate. The real estate is just a tool to get to something. Mm -hmm. So we're using so we're trying to match up with the type of real estate that matches up with their goal. And then also the best thing for them because everyone's got different risk tolerance. Everyone's got different um, time constraints or not time constraints. So really it kind of starts with the goals and then it starts, then it, everyone boils down to financing. So what kind of financing are people getting? And then that helps then determine budgets, which then helps can help determine cities depending on the strategy that we want to use. Uh, you've, you've worked with some investors who've just built incredible portfolios. Like we were yeah. just talking about Richard and Ingrid. I think we're talking about Ingrid, but Richard yeah. and Ingrid, uh, the Spadas, Spadas yeah. um, Dario. Yeah. Um, some of these people have built incredible Just portfolios. Amazing. Yeah. What, Martin Frank, another one. He, Martin joined and he hasn't, uh, he's still around. He's a great member of ours. He reads every single thing. He hasn't bought a house for years, but he's just now he's going through and uh, he's got a house he's had for about 11 years. I think Martin's going to if he listens to this, he's going to tell me I'm wrong, but I think it's 11 years. Okay. Anyway, he's, he's going to, he's gutting it now. He's redoing the whole thing. He's had an opportunity now using the equity from the home to 
to, uh, to improve it, it. To update it, right? Um, he's he's a good. He started with like, oh, I'm just gonna. He like so matter of fact starts. He's like, hey, well, I'm just gonna buy a house and I'll start that's bank account. And when that bank account hits enough money, I'm just gonna buy the next house. And that's literally. And he went up to like five houses. He's like, that's just what I'm gonna do. I'm like, okay, here we are. Like, let's. Where the heck did that come from? So simple and so. I mean, it's a smart approach. To that, be so... It was him. That was how he did it. He was just like, you know, I'm just gonna do this. And he just started with it. And he does it on his own. He does all his property management on his own. He's got a full-time job. He lives in Toronto. Like he's, he's built a very successful and he's using his, one of his goals, he wants to retire early. And that's what he bought 11 years ago. He's done really, really well. He's done well. And it's going to allow him to retire, you know, years earlier than he could have. That's one of, that's one of his big goals. And so it's literally real estate's the tool for that to allow him to retire years earlier than he would have been able to before. Were, um, was Ingrid pushing them buying? Who who pushed that? Both of them? Uh, I met Richard. Jo- I met Richard first. Okay, and then they are definitely a team. Yeah, Richard's more of the. Like um, I'd say I would say Richard's more maybe the face to potential tenants and clients and things like that. But uh, they are both there. They are both. A, they're a force. Between they are a them. force. Yes. When Ingrid yeah. told me how she got started, like they were juggling credit cards yes. to get started raising yeah. some money. I mean, an absolute crazy, uh, amazing to them to see the portfolio that they've built for themselves. Yeah. Like amazing. That's hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and now and then, she's written a book. What, the book I think is for teenagers about money. It's about Actually, money. I forget yeah. the title of it right now. Yeah. I feel so, uh, but amazing story and then um and then matt and gino spada you've been working with them for i feel like forever Forever. gino likes to tell the story the first time i tried to i went to meet him i said uh i was meeting him centeno parkway stony creek okay and i said yeah i just get off and and go uh go uh what did i say i said go yeah because you were on the other side of the lake i was on the side of the lake i said go go south when you get off and then he was like he's like south that's gonna put me no i said go north sorry that was it i'm getting messed up i said go north anyway off centennial park but he's like you want me to go in the lake like mm-hmm. you want me to drive and you know yeah, gino is he's yeah. pretty Blunt. like so you're telling me to drive into the lake really basically i'm like no like what are you talking I never, about and then when we first yeah. started investing in hamilton <laughs> it always used to freak me out when you would drive north to the water yeah i, I could for, yeah. It, took, it literally took me years yes. for whatever reason now it seems so obvious and so silly yeah but i think it was just growing up in mississauga it was always south to the lake yes and so when i was in hamilton and if the gps north. or something said yeah, yeah you're going to drive south i always assumed oh okay i just go towards the lake and yeah. that was like going north it would blow my mind that's especially, why i use left and right Tom. yeah yeah, yeah. especially back then because i was printing out maps so there's no gps Map in the car right like yeah. i was printing out maps and yeah. being like oh this is where i was going yeah. he, gino still brings that up i also call the welland canal a i think i called it a river one time like yeah. you don't do that like that's that's no it's a it's a canal yeah Yeah. like it yeah Mm. i did that really wrong and then okay so like these are all different stories of of different investors for a long time that have been really successful Uh, they all seem to take action what is there a common trait that you found between investors that you've worked with over the years um i feel like just listening to those stories it seems like self-responsibility like these people just seem like they're taking the responsibility of their futures on themselves like they don't seem any of them none of them and we didn't talk about dario but all of them seem to be like if there's a problem they're gonna handle it they're not looking to point blame it's just like yes i'm going to deal with like it might be a crap situation but i'm taking the personal responsibility of dealing with this they take action yeah take action and then they don't overanalyze everything Mm-hmm. How do you think they don't overanalyze? Because I, I agree with you, but is, is that something that can be taught or they just have this personality trait? Mm-hmm. I don't think you can, you can't, I think you can help it along. 
-hmm. So I don't think I can teach someone like someone who's not an overanalyzer or whatever to not overanalyze, but I can teach them kind of like the look at the whole thing. So we have a good example. Now we're dealing with somebody and they they're stuck on a certain um, percentage rate on like a cap rate. Okay. But that's all they're looking at. Mm. They want a certain number. And if the thing is not like if it's, you know, I'll throw a number. So if it's not 6% and it's 5.2, they're not even going to look at the thing Mm -hmm. without looking. Okay, let's look at the whole thing as a whole. Is there a way to force appreciation? Is there a way to build value into the property? Whatever it is. Right. But with with, you know, other people, you just I would say that where we come into support is, okay. they want to do something and they're not afraid to get out of their own way sometimes or whatever. Absolutely. But it's it's a lot of brainstorming sessions. It's a lot of. We know we kind of joke sometimes like therapy. We're not mm-hmm. realtors. It's a lot of times oh, we, totally. we do brainstorming. We have therapy sessions. We do this, whatever it is. But it's just here's your action plan. Put it in a plan. And they're Put able it in a place. to see the big picture, not just two months from now. They're able to see mm-hmm. 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes oh, sometimes people have a lot of short term thinking instead mm-hmm. of long term thinking. It took me a long time to figure out that people didn't think that way because I think my whole life I've always extrapolated forward. Like I've always thought, okay, mm. 10 and 20 years, I don't really care about this right now because it's going to be worth it to go through this pain if the cap rate's not a certain cap rate or if it's not the perfect time because 10 years, I'm going to want to have the benefit of like owning this property right now. So for example, I have a friend um, who you know, we've been trying to convince to buy a property for some time. I hope he's not listening to this, but maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just telling him, go and buy a property. And he's like, oh, well, rates are high. And I'm like, well, before you told me prices were high. So th- this is the classic thing with most people. I'm like, well, now's not the right time to buy because prices are high. I'm like, okay, I guess wait till prices come down. So now prices have come down a, 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 a bit and people are telling me, well, now's not the right time to buy. Rates are high. And I'm like, you're never, there's always going to be 10 reasons why not to buy. You don't make money with investment real estate by trying to find the reasons not to buy. You have to try to figure out how to buy it so that you can hold it and not lose your shirt. You know, like you have to survive through the ups and downs of a market like we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. But once you fi- figure out the strategy to, to get into the market, just hold on for dear life and ride the waves. And 10 years from now, I've never met a person 10 years after buying a property who has told me, well, that was a mistake. Right. Yeah. I've never met, I've literally never met that person. I've maybe met a person who bought a property, stuck it out for a year, had a problem and sold it at the first sign of any kind of issue, but never someone at 10 years, usually after 10 years and especially after 15 or 20, the story is always like, I should have bought two or I should have bought three or I should have bought the street. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was part of the things that, that helps me when dealing with members is I used to be month to month, week to week, because I had that government job mm-hmm. that, that my parents preached to me was that was, you were set, you have it, you have a pension, you've got the job, you know, you're good. You don't have to do anything else. And that's no fault to them. That's how they were raised. That's, mm-hmm. that was it. Mm-hmm. And then when I quit and uh, joined you guys, mm-hmm. I remember my mother was like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, I think I remember you but saying that. I can remember that, that mindset. And that's helped me a lot of times working with people because I used to be exactly like that. And it took a lot, I put in a lot of work to, you know, support from you guys and, and just growing within Rockstar, mm. all the resources that we have. And then, you know, starting as a member and then becoming a coach and all the years, you know, it's been about 15 years now. And that's been one of my personal growth things that I can now, the, what you're talking about now is I'm the same way now, but I wasn't like that where I can look out 10 years and I know that mm. short-term pain is sometimes needed for long-term success or whatever it is, or doing the things 
you know, in the latest newsletter we had, like planting the seeds for today, planting the seeds today, they're going to grow tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right. You had an article like that about that in there. And Mm -hmm. so that took a long time for me to, to think about that of, okay, what am I doing today for that's going to pay off six months from now, a year from now, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And it's a different mindset. Mm -hmm. Well, and you have to kind of be, who am I going to be and how am I going to think to be that person that I want to be to, to achieve those goals? Because sometimes it takes thinking a different way and being a different person to achieve those goals, not a person who's scared of everything. Because mm-hmm. it is scary. We know it's scary. But it's we petrifying. try to make it not scary by giving you all the information that you can have. Yeah, you're right. And we're just so predisposed to like being scared of everything. It's like just as humans. Yeah. We're scared. Well, especially like, recently, you know, we've been taught to be scared of everything instead of to grow. So Jennifer, then when you transitioned into real estate, like that's pretty scary. Oh, it was like, terrifying. So like, what did you say to yourself to kind of take that step? But I was always, so when I rode horses, I was my own, um, uh, a sole, uh, proprietor, right? I yeah. got, if, if I fell off and got fired, then I had to go find myself another job with another trainer. It was on me. It wasn't, a, you know, wasn't really a secure job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I came back, I started to be an entrepreneur, like I had a line of clothing. I developed a hook for use in the barns where I had to, uh, you know, learn about metal and all of this stuff. And it's scary. I put a lot of money out to do these things to see if it would work. Um, you know, and working in a restaurant was scary. Working with people was scary because all I did was ride horses. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think one thing with riding horses, it teaches me to move past the fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, it's almost like the riding horses was very beneficial because it's a scary thing to do. You can fall off. You're your own boss. Like you said, you know, you're your own business. And I feel like sometimes some of the most challenging investors to work with are someone who did all the right things, went to school, you know, maybe went to college or university, got the good job. But because of that, they've always been in a a fairly safe environment. And then if you throw them in real estate where you're dealing with the general public and maybe maybe somebody's going to lie to you and maybe, you know, that you have to deal with the banks and the banks are asking for all this crazy paperwork from you. And then you have a tenant who maybe pays you late and it's very scary and you're worried about damage on the property and you're worried about all these things. It's almost like it's just beneficial for people to be scared shitless through their life as early as possible because it just like gives you this like little, it teaches you that you're going to overcome things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's like the biggest thing that I'm trying to make sure my kids have is that like, yeah, like just make mistakes and screw up and put yourself in scary situations and do it as fast as possible. Um, it, it's something, I don't know why Nick and I have never really been scared um, and I don't mean that to say that in an arrogant way, like, holy shit, like, look at us, you know, I, I just really mean that as an introspective thing. Like mm. I've never really had that, um, fear of doing something. It's, it's more, I, I think, I think it's more like if somebody tells me not to do something, then I just want to do it. So maybe, maybe I've done things just out of spite. I'm totally like that. That's I moved to Burlington. Um, I was in the middle of getting my real estate license. I worked in a bar. I was living paycheck to paycheck because I partied a lot. And I was like, no, I'm changing my my life. I'm moving to Burlington. I got this condo. I rented this condo that I could barely afford, but I wanted to live by the lake. So I moved to downtown Burlington. Yeah, oh, nice. Because that was going to, that's where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I was going to, I finally decided I was going to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, terrifying, but 
if it didn't work out, we met. Yeah. that was before we, we had just started we had just dating. started meeting. Oh, so cool. she didn't move to Burlington for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had clearly, just started. Dating. You don't have to I mean, tell me. Well, I get I, it. Yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> super clear. <laughs> but my family thought I was crazy. They were like, "Well, you're going to start a new career and you're going to move." Mm-hmm. Now, in retrospect, knowing real what about real estate. Oh, in sure. the sales. I should have stayed in Kitchener where I knew more people. But at the same time, those people saw me as that other person. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was better to start fresh, right? Mm-hmm. But I, w- I was going to be the only one to make it fail. If I wanted it to, to be successful, it was up to me. Hmm. So then, Jennifer, you working with JP, when JP said he works with investors, so now I know you've been working together and you've been mm-hmm. working with investors for several years now and everything's good and it's great and we're very thankful the way it's worked mm-hmm. out. It's wonderful. But when you first started working with investors, was it a different type of real estate or was it natural? You were just looking at some numbers maybe? Was there any changes or how did you approach it? Um, it was different. It was different because it wasn't so emotional for people. Uh, and I had to learn even though you know I can make sense of the numbers, but I had to learn to hammer it home. Mm. Um, but also I had to uh, alleviate people's fears because it's not their family home. Mm. It's something extra. And, um, and like you said, I think people are taught to be afraid of things that um, are new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just had to learn to sort of alleviate people's fears, give them as much information as possible. And so they feel good. And that's, I've always been like this with real estate, whether it's an investment property or their own home, when you turn the key or when you're renting that house out, I want you to feel good about it. I want you to be like, well, I'm so glad Jennifer helped me get this house. I never want somebody to turn the key in their own home or be renting out a house and say, oh, gosh. I wish I didn't have to deal with this. How do you think people get to that moment? Is it just because they feel like they haven't gotten ripped off or, you know, that, oh, they, they got a tenant and it's rented. So they have some income and their mm. mortgage is covered. Like, how do yeah. people do, do, how do people, do you feel, get to that moment where they feel good about that? Income? For some people, it's the numbers. Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. just the numbers. And for some people, it's something more. For some people, they've achieved help, something. Help, and they're helping. Mm-hmm. Some people really want to yeah. provide good housing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, it was always, and this maybe sounds bad, but I think maybe because we started in our 20s, it was always like, let's look at the numbers and let's extrapolate forward at the appreciation this thing could achieve for us. And we were just focused in on that. And so when I first met investors who were so thrilled to be able to provide great housing for people, it took me back a little bit. And it makes me feel like I was an asshole because I was just (laughs) looking at the numbers. It's not that I didn't want to provide good housing. And a lot of the stuff we started early on was flips and student rentals. So maybe with the student rentals, I really wasn't thinking that way way I was thinking hey like you know can we can we fill this out really can we you know we have a problem like two students are leaving and it was just like different but on a single family rental when we went down that path my original thought wasn't about the good housing is maybe that as bad as that sounds and then I became to learn I'm like oh my god I think it's because I was young and I didn't have a family and maybe and then when then I had a family yeah and then when I had a family I was like oh when you have kids and you can have a great home to live like this really matters where when I was younger I think I could have lived at the side of the street in a cardboard box and I was going to be totally fine yeah <laughs> so um I think that's when it hit for me when I had my own family and my own kids it was like oh okay yeah like this is a big deal and back then, I don't think, you know, it wasn't so hard for a first-time homebuyer to get a property. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's as difficult as ever. And so I think having a rental, you're giving somebody an opportunity to live in a home that they would never otherwise be able yeah. to afford. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, we're, we're in a crazy state. Yeah, And we've had members too bring parents like generations to see their rental property because no they were so proud of it so no this was way. not long ago. this awesome. was actually very cool it was the parents and then the grandparents because the 
the kid, he's not a kid, but he had bought a rental property. No way. So now generations are coming to see what is happening with, yeah, the, yeah. with the earlier, with the later generation. And uh, yeah, so no, it's to some, like to some family, like this isn't even sometimes individuals, it's families now that are, that are benefiting from the growth and from somebody. Yeah. I wonder where this is headed. When you think of, of it between all of us together, we've helped thousands of investors now by literally thousands and thousands of rental properties. Yeah. I guess we should yeah. add it up to know the actual number, but I know it's uh, it's over a couple billion dollars worth of rental properties as a few years ago. And I guess now with prices, it must be even higher. Yeah. Never mind. That was the purchase price going all the way back to 2010. If we took everything at fair market value right now, holy shit, it must be like just a massive amount. But um, um, when, you, when you think of that, it'll be interesting to, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, I guess the impact of this can be rather huge because some people will pass these properties on to family members and you never know where that kind of legacy is going to end up and how it's going to affect maybe the next generation in that person's life. That's kind of cool. Absolutely. And that's all of all of us kind of having a small, tiny little part in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer, I want to ask you about why are you interested in doing some of the things that you're talking about and doing now with some of the coaching and stuff? Can you talk about that? Like, where's yeah. that? What are you thinking and what are you up to and where's that coming from? So it actually goes back to, uh, well, JP said it earlier, goal setting. And I think if I think back, I went to a conference in my first year of real estate, Brian Buffini conference, and he had you write down all your goals, short-term, long-term, all of that. And if I go back to that, Today, I have accomplished so many of the things that I set out to do. When I um, thought that my life was in the dumps and I needed to change and I could, didn't have two pennies to rub together and I literally would go to Indigo and read Tony Robbins books and then put a marker in the book and hide it and so come back the next day and read it because I couldn't even afford to buy the books. Um, when I did the journaling and all of that to... Um, I say live my best life. I know it sounds cheesy, but no. uh, you know when I did all that work, I'm doing the things that I never thought were imaginable. And so I would like to help, if I could just help one person to maybe get there and not feel alone. Because back when I was going through it, it wasn't all over the internet. It wasn't easy to just take a course online and help yourself. Um, And it wasn't, I guess, socially okay to say, hey, I'm 30 something years old and my life's a mess. And I don't know what I'm going to do with yeah. it. Um, and so I kind of hid it away and did all the work myself. And so I've sort of developed, I guess, what you would call a framework um, on the things that helped me and all the things I've learned from all the books I read. And I'm a huge reader of Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, or Wayne Dwyer, all those people, um, and all the information I've put together that even still helps me today to achieve my goals and live my best life. And I mean, one of the things was I wanted to be able to ride a horse every day. I wanted to be able to have my own hours. I wanted a husband who loved me and who, you know, was a good relationship. And all those things, you know, they didn't just come because I sat back and did nothing. Um, you have to work wow. at it. So I, you know, if I guess if I could help one person to not feel like they're alone in their journey and give them some tips, maybe one little thing that they could take away from it to help themselves live their best lives, then that would make me happy. Oh, wow. Jennifer, holy smokes. I feel like you've been through a lot and you, I feel like just listening to you, you're probably hard on yourself. You're during that time. I don't know if you're still hard on yourself. I think maybe we all are hard on ourselves in some ways. I feel like you were pretty hard on yourself during that era Um, of your life. I don't think I was hard on myself. I think I 
drank a lot and did a lot of other things. How much partying were you doing? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> JP's here, so we can't really yeah. talk about it, honestly. <laughs> but it was a good few years. Yeah. Yeah. Six. Um, okay. So you, you, oh, that's interesting. So yeah. You weren't, but, you know, I wasted that time. So yes, I'm mm-hmm. hard on myself in the time, you know, in the sense that I think But did you waste that time or is it just part of your story? Um, I think it's part of my story. And if I didn't yeah. have that, I wouldn't be who I am yeah, now. And totally. if I didn't work in a restaurant, I don't think I would be able to work with clients as a real estate agent. Why do you keep bringing up the restaurant? That was really horrifying for you. Oh yeah. It was not a good experience. What people yelled at you? Oh yeah. The people you work with yell at you. Really? You know, if you think you see Gordon Ramsay on the TV and you think that's just a show, (laughs) anybody who's aspiring to be a chef out there, that is not okay. You do not talk to people like that. Seriously. Because all these chefs out there think that they can talk to you like Gordon Ramsay yells at everybody. Was this high end restaurants or just chefs that thought they were high end? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And And some were great. I'm not going to say everybody. I have, you know, made some good friends and, uh, you know, and some experiences were good and, you know, some some of the customers that came in are still friends today and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this was yeah. a major moment yeah. in your time. Just hearing yeah. you talk about that, it's yeah. obvious that it really had an yeah. impact on you. Mm-hmm. It forced you into real estate and pushed you out of the restaurant uh, yeah. restaurant yeah. business. Yeah. So you'll never go back into the restaurant world. Never. When we go to a restaurant, I can't even sit near an open kitchen and hear them yell hands. I have like PTSD because like, somebody hand, run hand, the food. Hands. Some, oh, that means there's food ready? Somebody take food to a table. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> Holy smokes. And then I feel like JP has a similar, no, but the region of Peel for you wasn't, you weren't bothered. Nick basically tricked you to come and help work with us to leave the region of Peel. You weren't hating your life. No, no, I wasn't. No, no, I was lucky. I had a, I had a good life. We had a lot of friends there. I still hung out with Nick at that point, like socially and all that kind of stuff. And you know, some of those wow, stories, some of those stories could never be told again, but that's like, <laughs> <laughs> thank God there wasn't but, video back yeah, then. Oh my God. Um, and uh, wow, you were one of Nick's real friends. I know it's just Didn't you, really yeah, surprising. Yeah, we just talked about this the other day. You picked him up yeah. and slammed him on a couch or something. Um, well, so no, I used he to, he picked you up. Yeah. I used to, be able to throw him around. Yeah, I forgot. And, uh, and then he started going to the gym a little more. And one day when I realized, yes, we were play fighting, whatever you want to call it. He probably said something to me and I, called him an idiot or whatever it was. And he picked me up and I broke, or we broke our friend's couch because he picked me up and threw me <laughs> over his shoulder. And I was like, oh, I guess I can't do that anymore. That's, that's <laughs> So when you were at the region of Peel, though, if you reflect back on your life um, to this point, um, was it a good decision to leave the region of Peel? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So why for you was it? Because I feel like you were kind of happy there. I w- you're right. I was happy. I had, so a, what, I had why, a good job. So I yeah, why good, was it a good uh, decision then? I think because I just, I think maybe it from being involved with, uh, because I'd started as a member with Rockstar. I don't know if you remember that. I started as a member when I was still working. I don't quite Peel, remember that. No, okay. Nick was my coach. It was a horrible. Oh, shit. I know. Worst <laughs> coach ever. But um, when I, do, I guess I was starting to see there's more out there than, a, than the nine to five Monday to Friday. Yeah, got it. And yes, I did have it quote unquote a little bit easy. I didn't have a family. I didn't have children mm. or something like that to take care of. Mm-hmm. But. I was like, well, let's just do it. Like, I was like, let, you know, mm-hmm. if I have to eat craft dinner and nothing else, then let's just try it. Uh, that's why I tried to come on and became a yeah, coach. Kudos to you, man. I think that's and, pretty rare. And then just was lucky. Then I, you know, lucky that it, I think I was lucky to realize it's almost that stuff that, you know, was, been talked about a lot of rockstar things it's the you know who you're surrounding yourself with you know mm-hmm. you're you're the common denominator of the five people you spend the most time with or whatever you know all that kind of stuff whatever you want to call it and it it's true 
<laughs> and, I think uh, we were lucky to find you too, because I think I know I was so heads down trying to make this work and, and just survive. Not that we ever thought Rockstar wasn't going to make it. It was just like, holy shit, there is a lot of work to do. Um, you were someone who just was a, had a good heart and did, always did the right thing. So it was just like a natural fit. And um, you didn't require a lot of like supervision by us. And it really made our lives easy. Because if I look back at that time, there's a few people that started with us really early. You, Leslie Kitchen, Mike, Mike DeZormo, and that, you know, I think shortly after. Yeah, Andrea, Andrea McDonald, McDonald. And then J.P. Galbus came on a year after that. Galbus. Like those five people, like lifetime friends. Yeah. Right. Like, well, I guess yeah, more, four people. And but anyway, everyone's well, we're all still work, still working together today. Yeah. Which is freaky. And yeah, and then we said we're lifetime friends. Mm -hmm. Even if, but we I decide not to work here anymore. When I look, when I look back <laughs> at that at that era, yeah, no, no, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, when 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 I look back at that era, it's like it's just a miracle that it just all worked out. Cause it was just so like, yeah, this is what we're doing. And yeah. we're, we were, yeah, we're going to start rockstar real estate. But meanwhile, we're out of like one tiny room. Yeah. Um, and then two that we upgraded to two. I came on when it was two, two rooms. We had just moved to two rooms. Yeah. Yeah. That was in Burlington. Did you come on when we were in Burlington? Coffee office. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We we're at the yeah. coffee office. We had two, you know, little offices that were like 10 by 10. Then we moved to the yeah. two bigger ones. Yeah. And then we got a third one and I, I didn't have an office, uh, of my own for years just because I don't feel like we needed it and I don't think we could afford it or whatever. But, uh, looking back, it's just crazy. Like we literally had the sandwich per like the, the girl who made the sandwiches at the front, she was taking checks from realtors. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, looking back, I'm like, why did these realtors drop? They were off? good sandwiches though. They were great sandwiches. I know, but it was I a guess. sandwich bar. No, you're right. And yeah. people would drop off their <laughs> check. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why did they even trust That's this amazing. person? I don't know. Yeah. Like if I was but, doing yeah. that now and I had to drop off a deposit check to the person who was making the BLT, <laughs> I mean, I'd be like, Hey, is this a real brokerage? <laughs> Cause we were behind the corner. You couldn't even really see where our office was. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was, that was insane. So yeah. I just, yeah, that was just really grateful. Like that was uh, kind of like a bit of magic, the way that all kind of worked out. It's funny how things work out the way they do. Yeah, it is. And then you guys uh, found the fish bowl. Yeah. Plenty, plenty of, fish. of fish. Oh, sorry. Plenty, plenty of fish of, in the sea. I don't think that's like, the whole fish. thing. The, the kids now have no idea what that is. Yeah. But yeah, it no. was online dating before. Yeah, got like, it. Before but the funny like thing is, is when I got his email, uh, I had canceled my uh, membership on Plenty of Fish because I found out that they were using my Facebook profile for other fake profiles. Oh. I went on a date with a guy and he's like, oh, I've talked to you before. Isn't your name this? And he showed me pictures of me on another profile. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I left that date at the bar. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but when JP uh, emailed me, because you got an email for him to introduce himself, it was very nice. And I was sent a scathing email back. And I said, I don't know how you got this email. I've taken my profile down. <laughs> da, 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 da. Sneaky. And he was like, oh, okay, I won't bother you again. Well, in the meantime, I checked out his profile and saw he was a firefighter and a real estate agent and had really nice blue eyes. And I was like, Okay, well, maybe we. I don't need to be maybe too I hasty. Over, yeah. Maybe I overreacted <laughs> on my email response. But the funniest part is in his picture for Plenty of Fish, he's at one of the Christmas parties from here, and no. he's with Andrea yeah. McDonald. No way. And he, in his picture, though, right? Okay. It was a group shot. I wasn't just standing with Andrea. Like, let's but, put that up. But there. the picture only showed you and Andrea. And so I. Which I didn't thought, realize. So I need to, for Andrea needs to know that I tried to get her out. She wasn't supposed to be in this picture. But she the knows the story. Exists. Yeah, she does. I always thought she was his ex girlfriend. And then I was at the very first Rockstar Christmas party and we were sitting on the bus waiting to go and she walks up and I was like 
mm, tell me your ex-girlfriend worked here. And he was like, what are you talking about? And then the bus <laughs> left and there was a lot of stuff. And I, for the longest, for that whole night, I was like, oh my God. But then Andrea's really nice and she's not his ex-girlfriend and no. Andrea and I are friends. And so it's all good. Oh, wow. But Even though she's thing. also married to a JP. Yeah. Oh my God. But, I didn't yeah, know a JP anyway, until yeah. I met you and now there's JPs everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I officially yeah. know too many JPs. Yeah. We need to stop. We only JPs. told Andrea the story like two years ago. No way. Oh yeah. She like, it, was three years. it was amazing. She died. So when you guys now work with investors, do you meet yeah. with them together individually? How does it work with you two? Cause you guys are a team now working with yeah. investors. Yes. So we do try to meet. Yes. The initial one-on-one, we usually try to yeah. meet um, together. So we like them to meet both. both of us, even if it's, you know, we like to do a one-on-one in person to meet both of us because if for some reason one of us has to take them out, if the other one, uh, you know, can't manage their schedule to take them out when that person's available, then they are, they've already met us and they feel comfortable. And then we're both on the same page. Um, and not everybody gets along with everybody, let's face no. it, right? So some yeah. people feel more of a connection with JP, some people for, feel more of a connection with me, then they're free to yeah. talk to whoever they want. Yeah, when we first started this, when it was just Nick and myself, I remember uh, someone would work with Nick and then just it just wouldn't work out and then the, his schedule didn't work and I picked up and then you know we got along better than they got along with Nick and then vice versa. Sometimes I just didn't have a connection with someone, they met yeah. Nick and they had a connection. It's funny how that works and you just yeah. never know how that's gonna break. Yeah, so that's kind of cool know. that yeah. you're meeting people uh, together like that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And then the geographical area that you guys are covering, covering with investors right now, What is? do you have a preferred area that you like guiding people to or are you open? No, we're really open because it really, it, it all comes down to what works for them. Like mm-hmm. with their, whatever strategy or whatever we're doing to match, again, use the real estate as the tool to match up with yeah. their goals. Now, so. honestly, we do a lot of work in Niagara, just mm-hmm. price-wise, because sure. that's what's working. Yeah. Mm, but recently things are changing, you know, Hamilton's coming back down and, you know, yeah. things, Hamilton might spark up again. Yeah, it's funny, like the interest rates are way up, but now the prices are down and then it makes mm-hmm. Hamilton a little bit more appealing, less down payment, mm-hmm. you can buy a property, yeah. but you need, uh, it's these it's these freaking interest rates at this point. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens over the next six months. Yeah. Um, and we do have to talk about, we do have uh, somebody else on our team, Amber, uh, and she works mainly in the Kitchener, Cambridge, I area. Guess, is that yeah. Golden Triangle? Is that what Got we're it. called? Oh, that? Yeah. oh yeah, yeah. So if yeah, somebody wants, if you're working with someone in that area, Amber can cover that territory for. Yeah, we introduce. Yeah, we introduce. And it's the same thing. It's like we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna be you know the leads definitely with mm. with people. But if we're gonna absolutely introduce Amber and uh, and she's a great resource as well, just to sort of help out. Um, help She'll out bring her own clients to the table yeah, as well. Absolutely. But, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, w- there's something, I guess, now, like you've been doing this for some time, and Jennifer, you guys have been working together for some time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting another 10 years from today to reflect back on these people that you've been working with to see what everybody has done. Yeah. Because now, uh, JP, you're actually going to have some people that you've worked with since like 2009, 10, a- 8? Eight. 2008. Eight. Yes. Eight. So in yeah. 10 more years, we're yeah. going to be like 24, 25 years in with some of these people. I know it's crazy. It's going to be freaky to see what some of these portfolios look like at that point. And yeah. I wonder if some people will just sell off their portfolios at a certain point in life and just say, Hey, listen, I want the cash. I'm going to pay the tax. I'm going to have some fun. And they don't Could have be. any, it's going to be yeah. uh, it's obviously going to be a mix, but it's going to be interesting to see. It's been neat too. Cause a lot of those quote unquote clients are, you know, they're our friends now. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. you mentioned Gino and Matt, like we've yeah. got, you know, we, uh, we do see, you know, we dropped off some wine and Dario. Yeah. And we're going over dinner with Dario in a couple of weeks and like, you know, just stuff like that. So it's really cool to, 
Yeah, and Dario and has I, a horse connection too. Does he not? Dario and I always talk horses. He used to have a farm. He used to be big into racehorses. Yeah, that's um, right. I always yeah, forget yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like he's the international man of mystery. He, he is. I feel he's like he's James a master Bond. espresso. Yes. Like, <laughs> pasta I, maker. Yeah, pasta maker. He tweaks the pasta machines like all around the world, I feel like, for big yeah. pasta producers. He's literally like one of... Uh, five people in the world or whatever it's probably even less he he knows the number but that can literally run a pasta line which to me sounds so simple like you're making pasta but it's literally like a one or two degree off here like it it can mess up you know thousands and thousands of batches of of uh pasta like whatever it is yeah i don't know anything about it clearly you guys are a a a really cool team together amazing to be able to kind of go through this adventure with you and we're all running around chasing our tail a little bit doing our own thing but i think there's just like a certain comfort that knowing that there's all good people around so thank you yeah. thank you the way that you both are and the way you both carry yourselves and the way you both oh. care for people so really appreciate yeah. it um if someone listening wants to reach out to you is there a what like what's so the, the what's, yeah so we've got the um we have a website so, well what's your so jennifer's Coat, if you think of for Jennifer's side, like what she was talking oh. about with her. Well, I also do the real estate. <laughs> yeah, so share the real so estate the and then share. So the- okay, so the Hunt Group is thehuntgrouprealestate.ca. Okay. We have our own podcast, All Things Real. Cool. It's the two of us. It's not always about real estate. It's about uh, sometimes well, it's JP's football predictions. It is, yeah. And uh, we also Instagram, the.huntgroup. We have that too. Facebook. Oh, we're Facebook. And then Jen- Jennifer, and then what about for your coaching and stuff? So um, for the other coaching, so for like, say, I guess we would call it motivational coaching. Yeah. I don't love the term life coach, um, but I've developed a company called Live Your Real Life. So we have a website, liveyourreallife.ca. Um, and then I am just starting, I'm opening a course uh, called YBLS, Your Best Life Strategies. And I'm opening a mini course and then a full length course. Uh, and then hopefully, I think after next week, after the event next week is up, then I'm going to do a live webinar uh, to introduce the course to everybody. So oh, cool. that'll be up. Yeah. N- now you've said it. So Instagram, your best life strategies and Facebook, your best life, best life strategies. Know your. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and our podcast is really funny. JP, I, listen, no, look, you I am shameless. You, you, you said you make your football predictions okay. on there, and I know you're a Patriots fan. But, that's why immediately I didn't ask you a further question. But I'm there. shamelessly plugging to try and get a Yeti as a sponsor. <laughs> you know Yetis now. Full your cup that yeah. you drink your wine from. Yeah. I'm trying to get them as a sponsor. That's why I'm shamelessly plugging it. It's funny because he makes fun of me. Spon- why do you like Yeti so much? Remember I told you the, the, the Yetis have like the most amazing, amazing engineering system in the face there. I why? just think... Because you can go, vac- you can use Yeti anywhere. You can go on vacation with it. Mm-hmm. Your drink is yeah, cold all day. You told me about the vacation. Right? Strategy. That is like one it. of the biggest things. I do love that. Everyone's got the little dinky plastic yeah. cups on vacation. Yeah. You've got, yeah. you are king walking yeah. around the resort. Yeah. He's obsessed. Yeah. yeah. And, and if, if you have a cool. Loves I've never seen <laughs> you talk about any brand um, in this yeah. way. Yes. No, I know. Anyway. <laughs> if anyone from Yeti is listening, yeah. you have a number one You need to, yeah. Unfortunately, he's also a Patriots fan, but don't hold that against that's fine. Well, the Patriots are back. I have an old Drew Bledsoe jersey that doesn't fit me anymore. So I was a Patriots jersey is probably a bill's no, jersey no no it's probably it was, a bill's jersey it was probably a bill's jersey yeah you can say it dude. i will how hardcore are you it was probably I, a bill's jersey i respect the bills because my dad used to cheer for them that was it okay i cannot yeah. cheer for the bills josh allen number one <laughs> even though it's good that, thank I you mean, both yeah. of you for uh for being here really appreciate this thank you thank, thank you. you thank you absolutely Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that episode with John Paul Hunt, or should I say J.P. Hunt and Jennifer McPherson. 
Um, and if you are listening to this and you want to dive into the world of real estate investing, but you want some more information, you could check out everything we put together. It's all linked from rockstarinnercircle.com. That's rockstarinnercircle.com. Until next time, your life, your terms.